I think being true to yourself, being authentic, um, not being afraid to be who you are, um, and just knowing that if you follow your heart and what's important to you, then no matter what life throws at you, you you can be brave and you can you can handle it. Courage is is an amazing thing. Courage makes things happen. Courage opens doors. Courage gives you opportunity. Um, courage makes exciting things happen. What does it mean to you to live your best and bravest life? Does it mean being strong and forthright? Do you think of bravery as a woman or a man in uniform wearing stars or medals? Or does it mean being vulnerable, honest and courageous in all that you do? It is my mission in life to help you feel brave and empowered to live as your authentic self. So join me in these inspirational conversations filled with tips and tricks to help you live your best and bravest life. I'm Tiffany Johnson, and this is the When We Are Brave podcast. Welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I am so excited that you are here with me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. This last few days has been amazing. I ran the first festival of Brave. Oh, it was epic. It was so incredible. Thank you, everyone who attended on the day. Thank you to everyone for your messages and all of the people who've been interested in this online workshop. We dug deep into our limiting beliefs. We connected to our authentic selves. We harnessed our courage. We found our inner strength and some fun and focus with tea leaf reading. The incredible presenters I had with me on the day were exceptional. Sarah Turner, who's been on the podcast, so make sure you go and listen to that episode. She is amazing. Wow, what a woman. We were blown away by our live Q&A we did on limiting beliefs and how we can really connect with our authentic self and also some inner child work, which was just beautiful. We also had Kylie Roger, who led us on this gorgeous soul journey through some movement and yoga poses to harness our courage. I ran a beautiful meditation on connecting with our inner strength. And to finish off the day, we did fun and focus with the tea leaf reading with the gorgeous Annie O'Reilly, who's also been on the podcast. These women have incredible stories. Make sure you go and listen to those older episodes from season one, because I know that you will absolutely love them. They are so inspirational. So with all the excitement that has happened from the festival and all of the exciting things that are moving forward with When We Are Brave, this is the second last episode of season two. Then we'll have the wrap-up, which will be next week for the end of Season 2. And then I won't be back for a little while, probably about February 2021. There's a lot of exciting things in the pipeline for when we are brave. There'll be masterminds. There'll be more festivals of brave with each event having a different focus. Hopefully running a retreat later in the year 
to be confirmed and a new book coming out. Talking about new books, I just wanted to flag something else with you before I get into today's incredible episode. I have finally released my journal. Discovering Your Brave, a guided journal to unlocking your best and bravest self. This journal has had an epic journey to getting where we are today, and I cannot tell you how incredibly proud I am of this book. It is beautiful. It is full of inspirational quotes and gorgeous photography, which I've actually taken most of the photos in there. It has incredible ways on which you can live your best and bravest life, how you can find your goals, how to plan goals, how to take steps to move forward in your goals, how to use gratitude as a wonderful tool. There's affirmations in there. There are self-care tips and self-care strategies. And throughout the entire journal, there are bonuses along the way, which you can go online and you can download a whole bunch of amazing different tools and techniques to help you on your path in life, to help you to move forward, to help you live your best and bravest life. And that's what this is all about. It's why I've created the journal. These different techniques that I have used personally have helped me move forward in some of my darkest times, but they've always helped me even in the light times, even when I'm working on exciting things. So it doesn't matter where you're at. If you love journaling, then this is an incredible tool and it is beautiful. So you learn the techniques and then halfway through the book, there are 60 days to create the habit. And each day there are different parts that you need to complete or that if you want to complete, and it's great to start these habits each day. There's an affirmation. It talks about what you've done that's brave that day. There's pages of reflection where you can draw or write or do whatever you need to do. This is a safe space for you to create an incredible life that you love. And I really hope that you love it. If you want to go and get one of these journals, or if you know someone who would love this, or you just want to check it out for Sticky Beak, go to my website, whenwearebrave.com. So today's episode, oh, I love podcasting. I love the power of podcasting. I love what it brings to our lives. This podcasting journey has been incredible for me. And I'm so very, very thankful. And I'm incredibly thankful for today's episode with Nicole Posner. Nicole reached out to me a little while ago, and I was intrigued when I received her email. She'd found out about the podcast, When We Are Brave, through one of the other guests that I had had on, Anna Parker Naples, who I've become friends with, a gorgeous, incredible entrepreneur who is changing lives in the podcasting world. And so when Nicole had found out about When We Are Brave, she really resonated with the message of what I'm trying to achieve here in the movement of Brave. Nicole has courageous conversations. Nicole is a communication and conflict consultant. She's a coach, she's a trainer, and she's a workplace mediator. She works with leaders, teams, and managers and individuals to prevent manage and navigate difficult conversations in the workplace and beyond. And let's face it, we all have difficult conversations that we have to face. And we have to be brave to have those conversations. Not only does she help people navigate this very tricky path, but she also creates and delivers bespoke masterclasses 
She's the author of many published articles on managing workplace conflict in Thrive Global, HR Magazine, SME Magazine, and has recently been featured in Coach Magazine. She's a regular guest on local radio and podcasts discussing conflict and communication issues and was shortlisted finalist as Workplace Mediator of the Year in the Nation Mediation Awards 2020 in the UK. And this woman really knows what she's talking about. But not only does she have some incredible insight and tips and tricks on living a brave life and having courageous conversations, she is a beautiful soul. Someone who I am absolutely honoured and delighted to have become friends with. And she's all the way over in London. This is the power of podcasting and how we can all come together across the globe and be brave. Nicole is a beautiful, brave heart. And I know you're going to get so much out of this conversation filled with tips and tricks on how we can have courageous conversations. Nicole, welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I am so excited that you are here with me today, all the way from London. Beautiful London. I love London. So great to be here. I wish I was in your part of the world, but um, <laughs> lovely to be here also. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Nicole, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be working in the job that you're in. I've talked a little bit before about how I've met you and how inspired I've been by your work. So tell our listeners oh, a bit more about you. that. Um, so just a bit of background to how I how I ended up here, because uh, our, our journey is never what we think it's going to be. But I started um, my professional career about 30 odd years ago in PR, um, in the cutthroat world of PR, which was amazing fun. Um, and I loved it as a young person. But um, it was one of those careers where you have to give everything of yourself, you have to be there, the beck and call of clients, you have to work long hours, weekends. Um, and it was quite a toxic environment. And I think in any any of those um, creative industries, there is immense pressure when you're under um, on on demand from your clients all the time. So I was just about to get married, and um, we, we wanted to start a family. And at that time, I couldn't really carry on working there, or oh, my marriage would never have worked because I was at work more than I was at home with my husband. So. It was quite, as I said before, it was quite a toxic industry and um, people just weren't very nice to each other. There was a lot of bullying going on, um, which nowadays would never have been accepted. And I, I mentioned that because I'll bring that in in a minute, uh, which is quite important. How we were treated in the workplace then would never have been accepted now. So I left... Um, I left that job after about five, six years. And what I took from that was um, I moved into a career of writing because I understood the importance of communication skills, which I took from, from PR and how, how we communicate verbally and 
and you know in any written format so I set up my own writing business which I did for many years while I brought up my own children and it was mainly uh, marketing for businesses um, speech writing uh, PR, press releases whatever people needed um, and then my kids grew up and um, I realized that um, I had a bit of a void in, in my life, a, a bit of a gap. And I decided to study part-time for my own curiosity at um, a weekly psychology group, which was absolutely brilliant. Um, learned far too much about myself in that time. Um, but what I took from that was I really really like this I'm really interested in people and I like understanding people and what makes them tick and what's important and why we do what we do um, and after about six years that came to an end it was just it was you know literally for my own curiosity um, and I thought well I want to do something with this but I didn't want to go back to full-time education uh, so I looked around and thought well I'll start off doing a distant learning um, study course which I did on um, counselling uh, not that I wanted to be a counsellor but I was just finding my way into where where how can I use this and I came across one of the modules on there was mediation and suddenly there was this light bulb moment and I thought oh yes this sounds like me this this is really really got my attention and I looked into it further. What I loved about it was, unlike a lot of other counselling therapies, mediation, there is a finite end to it, hopefully if it goes well. Um, it, it, within a day, you can sort out, you can help people work through, you know, issues that have been going on for months, years sometimes. So I decided to train to be a mediator. And the way I was taught was through um, they through the psychology of conflict, which was really great for me because it tied in with my psychology and it kind of all just gelled together, came together. And I thought, you know, I really, really loved the concept of it, but I felt like there was more to this because a lot of mediation, civil and commercial mediation, which a huge amount of mediators are, is about um, money, it's about um IP rights, it's about tangible things. But what I was really interested in is people's relationships. So I looked into it further and I thought actually what I really, really like is the people side of workplace conflict, which took me back to my PR days and, and how we were treated. And I kept thinking, you know, if only we'd had like a workplace mediator in those days to help deal with issues that in fact even then weren't weren't really brought to the attention nobody nobody raised anything then there was never a grievance procedure there was nothing because people in that industry you put your head down and you got on with it because it was meant to be a very glamorous industry and you just didn't complain you just but we were treated so badly so I decided to train as a workplace mediator, which really fit all the ticked all the boxes for me, um, and everything kind of just as I said before came together. So, 
during my time as a workplace mediator, which I'm only going back now, um, sort of four and a half years, I realized that a lot of stuff was coming up for people during the mediations that they then did not know what to do with. So you might sort out in the problem with Jack and Jane, but then Jane is left with, I don't know how to communicate well. Or, you know, my relationships always break down because I don't know how to have these conversations better. Um, and I keep making these same mistakes. So I was, I suppose, coaching towards the end of mediations anyways and helping support people. But I realized that I could do more. So I then went and trained as um, a conflict coach, executive conflict coach, where I then was able to have a full accreditation and help people do it properly. I'd like to think I was doing it properly before, but with some backing behind me. And as a result of that, um, that then took me into more into the corporate world where uh, leaders come to me and say, look, we have these issues with some of our um, executives or even myself as a leader. I don't know how to have difficult conversations. So now I do consultancy as well, which is really what I love doing the most and helping people work through. And I do training programs to go to companies and teach them how not to do things and how to do it better. That is such an incredibly powerful and helpful role that you play so many people need that in the work that you do you help leaders face challenging conversations you're empowering them you help them to find their courage and you know that we're here all about being brave and I know that during COVID it's been tricky hasn't it with so many people really unsure of how to move forward in their life there's leaders of all kinds, and we talked about this a bit before the podcast. We talked about how people who are, they might be in corporate, they might be in small business, entrepreneurs, and even other leaders within our community, such as religious leaders, group coordinators, and they're all feeling challenges that they have had personally, especially during COVID. They may not be feeling so great themselves. They might be, you know, worried, feeling uncertain. What's going to happen with their job? let alone how they've then got staff or teams under them or groups of people or volunteers, and they still have to then support their teams. Mm. How have you enabled these people to help them face conversations with courage when it is the furthest thing from how they are actually feeling? That's a really great question because it is something that I've had to not had to have been asked to help address so so much over the last six seven months um the most important thing is to help people understand to normalize it for them now there's nothing normal about what we're doing but normalize it in terms of sorry there's nothing normal in <laughs> about the time we're going through but normalize what they're feeling because being a leader is a very lonely place people people who are at the top of top of their leadership in that leadership role Um, there's an expectation that they have all the answers that they're always strong that they can't let their guard down they have to always have their armor plating on they have all the answers Um, yet if you explain to people actually you're not alone in this 
There are a lot of people who are going through what you're going through, and that's okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Yes, you're a leader, but you are a human being as well. And, and there is sometimes this sort of disconnect between leaders at the top of their game, in, certainly in the corporate world, um, that they have, to, they have to be stoic, but actually they're also human as well. So we talk a lot about that, about them understanding that it's okay to show some vulnerability um, because that actually helps people, you know, when they think, okay, I'm all right with this. Um, in, and I also encourage them to share, certainly again, I'll, I'll talk about other areas, but just within the workplace to share with their teams that, you know, they're struggling too because people connect with that and people are also supportive back. And um, there was a lovely story I heard. It wasn't one of my own clients, but I actually heard this story where once um, in the UK, they were, we're now at this time of recording, we're back in second lockdown. But in between the first and second lockdown, when they were back in the workplace, he walked around his offices and he went up to each uh, member of staff, hi, how are you doing, whatever. And they sat and shared their terrible times they'd had and whatever. And he was so, he just was so overwhelmed by this. He set up this initiative where he decided for those who wanted to post up on the corridors a sort of full page of their experience of lockdown and what they've been going through. And he was the first one that put his up. And because he felt it was, you know, he really struggled yet he thought it was so important for people to know that he, you know, he, like everybody else, was struggling. And he said that that was so cathartic for him. You know, that was like, we're all in this together, rather than just because you're a leader at the top, you you are different. So that was really important. Um, then there's, you know, situations I've worked with some leaders and we were just talking about you know checking in with your teams and checking in and even checking in on friends you know in, in whatever situation um there is <laughs> i laugh because people laugh at this story um there was one leader i i, I worked with who was not very good at the emotional stuff which as a leader, you feel you've got to, as I said before, you've got to be, you know, the face of the company. And we were talked about the importance of checking in with your teams regularly. Hi, how are you? You know, those kind of water cooler moments that you might have had beforehand or Monday morning in the office. How's your weekend or how's your football team doing or how are your kids doing, whatever. And he isn't a very, he said, you know, I'm not good at all that stuff. You know, I'm really not good. And I said, well, you've, you've, you've got to, you've got to learn that you've got to let your guard down and, and show people that you're human because this is so important at the moment, you know, otherwise you're going to have this complete disconnect. But so he, he's, we talked about it in a sort of about a month into the first lockdown, he phoned me up and he said, Nicole, because I, I don't know how to do this. He said, I just don't know how to do what you're telling me because it's not natural for me you know he he's sort of this 
British stiff upper lip kind of man. You know, how do I, how do I be, how do I show emotion? And so real men don't cry. Real men don't eat salad. Real men don't eat quiche. (laughs) Exactly. All of the above. (laughs) So he was one of those real men. And, um, so he phoned me and he said, well, you know, what, how, just help me. How do I do this? How do, how do I have, I suppose, for him, a courageous conversation? Yeah. So I said, right, this is what you're going to do. And I said, you're going to, on your next Monday morning agenda, you're going to put on the top of the check-in meeting uh, Monday. So they, they set up regular Monday morning meetings. And I said, you're going to put chocolate biscuits on the top of your agenda. So he looked at me, a bit like you're looking at me now, vacant. And he said, right. He said, and I'm paying you for this advice? I said, yes. Well, that's your, let's see how it goes. So the point of this was to get a conversation going about normal things, about not the rubbish that had been going on in the world, but all the, the business was in, you know, in, in a terrible way. Get your people energized and engaged in a conversation. So the point of this was put the chocolate biscuits on your agenda and ask people to vote, have a poll about them. And what happened was he sent me an email back after the meeting going, uh, Oreo cookies send in your invoice so the next time we had our meeting I said so so what happened what happened so he goes oh my god he goes who knew people could be so competitive about chocolate biscuits <laughs> said, you know suddenly everyone thinks this is better than the other they were changing their zoom screen names with their favorite chocolate biscuit and suddenly it created this whole you know new energy within the organization and but the point about this was to to show him um, the human side of le- leadership and to say, you know, you don't, you can still be a leader and still be courageous without, and let your guard down without breaking down and crying. There are other ways to, to soften this, those hard bits of, of leadership. So, you know, that, that was a, a bit of a risk for me, that one, but it, it worked out okay. <laughs> I wonder if there were any Aussies at the table. They all would have said Tim Tams. Oh, Tim- I've not heard of a Tim Tam. <gasps> oh, Nicole, they're the <gasps> best chocolate biscuits ever. They are absolutely, here you go, there's a chocolate biscuits for you. So Tim Tams are an icon. If you've, there's surely there must be an Aussie food shop right. somewhere I'm in London. I'm going to look them up, a Tim Tam. And they're covered in chocolate on the outside and on, they've got chocolate biscuit on the inside and then there's two layers of them and then on the very inside there's it's like a chocolate icing kind of chocolatey cream thing in the middle. And you can buy all different flavours. You can buy, um, you know, dark chocolate Tim Tams, white chocolate Tim Tams, caramel Tim Tams. So in the middle is wow. always a difference. So the carrot might be a bit of caramel. But... They are, without Delicious. a doubt, the highest. I will have to. I'm going to Google this. I'm going to check it out and see if Tim Tams are Australia's largest selling biscuit because I would be 100%. I'd put money on it if I gambled. I don't gamble, but if I did, <laughs> I would. And there's all these different ways of eating it. So it's actually not about whether or not you eat a Tim Tam, it's about how you eat the how? Tim Tam. Yes, a bit like Oreos. Yeah. People have competitions too about how they eat Oreos. 
Yes, but Tim Tams, you should definitely Dipping. look them up. They yep. are a bit like Vegemite. Ooh. That's how, you know, they're very Australian. Wow, wow. I've learned something this morning. You did. Wow, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I even talk about Tim Tams in my book. <laughs> Ooh. Yes, right. I was well, feeling I'm... very, my, my, my intuition was going overboard before I got on the plane to go to the UK. Yeah. I was so... Uh, overwhelmed with this intuition that I have in my stomach that I thought if I ate a whole packet of Tim Tams that that feeling would go away and I'd like no one ever eats a whole packet of Tim Tams unless they're like in dire straits like in a tub of ice cream and so I ate the whole packet of biscuits and did it it, help no it didn't it just made me sick Yeah, Brilliant. So, so you'll have to look that one up. So that is a great icebreaker too when, you know, when you're trying to normalise really tough times. Did he find that that particular client of yours, did he find that, yes, it was a great conversation, people were engaged with that, but did yeah. it help him in the way that he communicated further down the track? It did because he realised what he said to me afterwards was he got so many messages Um, or emails from his team just saying wow you know that was such fun and I think it created a bit of a light bulb moment for him where he realized actually as I said before leadership isn't about just being at the helm of your the ship it's about showing who you are a bit and so moving forward I think he understood that you can just be yourself and still be a leader. And I think for him, that was very important. But he he said he's never seen his staff so engaged and energetic in a conversation, in a Zoom call. And after all, God, we're all so Zoomed out, drained from these things. And, you know, when you're listening to doom and gloom the whole time, which they had been, he suddenly realized, you know what, this, this is how and what he actually said was, you know, ne- each week we're going to have a vote on something else. So next week will be chocolate and the next week will be your favourite sandwich or whatever, whatever. And, you know, he then began to get to get it. You know, this isn't, and yes, it's silly and yes, it's not a serious thing, but it was just showing that there's more to leadership and to how you communicate than, you know, just being a sort of It makes serious. you real. Exactly. And authentic. And it creates, you know, connection with people. And, you know, the human, I always talk about it's the human side of leadership. So that that was very, that was a funny story. As parents and people within the community or uh, group leaders, religious leaders, my father-in-law is actually a minister my brother-in-law's a minister and my uncle-in-law is a minister and my other uncle-in-law on the other side is also a minister i i married into a very wow religious minister, family religious family. family and i'm a very spiritual woohoo person um but i love them so much and they're just incredible incredible people and my father-in-law and i i are very close and he talks a lot about he was very, very involved in the Ash Wednesday fires, which were huge bushfires many, many years ago. I can't remember how many years ago now. And they were involved again this year with the bushfires at the beginning of 2020. Um, not so much now because he's retired, but he was in literally in the thick of it when 
um, the Ash Wednesdays fires happened and we have so many terrible bushfires in Australia. But he talks a lot about how those moments when you have to go in to a community that is that is facing devastation, yeah, broken, mm-hmm. they are broken, mm-hmm. and then how that then affects you. What do you do to help people, particularly in this time when we're all in the whole entire world living in this pandemic? How can people feel more empowered within themselves to have those conversations with the people they're trying to support? I think one of the most important things is to remember what your role is. I know, of course, it will, you know, it will affect you emotionally, but... So one one of the um, the main points, I guess, that is when you're a leader in that kind of situation is it's about it's not about you, it's about them, and you have to remember your why. Why are you in this role? Why are you doing this? And as difficult as it is, um, that has to be your focus. Uh, because those few minutes when you are in part, even doctors in, in this situation now, you know, having sharing, sharing difficult news about their patients, um, preparing yourself emotionally before you go in, you know it's going to be tough. What do you need yourself to make sure that you turn up the best that you can be in that situation? Does that mean going to do, if you're, you know, spiritual or into meditation, does that mean you need to do that first? Does it mean you need to go for a run to clear your head? Whatever you personally need to do to make yourself in the best position to deliver that information and prepare, know what what you're going to say, what you need to say. Um, And also one of the really important things, and this is in any difficult conversation, is listening because that is one of the most cathartic things you can do in any sad, difficult situation, even in an angry situation. Um, the power, never, and also never underestimate the power of silence, because when you've delivered a difficult, difficult news or, or um, said whatever you need to say, you need, you need to let people process it so don't be afraid of silence you know let people think you know let let it sink in let them process it um don't i I know a lot of people get nervous in these situations and they tend to just talk and talk and talk but when someone's been dealt a blow or, or heard some terrible news you don't want someone talking at you you just need to be and and process it and whatever however that is for you. Um, so th- the other thing I say is always, I have a little acronym I, I use, which is doing a little sign of a heart, lead with heart. And that breaks down as um, H for humility, E for empathy, um, A for authenticity, um, R for respect and T for transparency. Because all of those things are so important in those difficult conversations. Um, 
And, you know, it means that you are talking from your heart and you are a leader who, who is compassionate and able to, to empathize and understand where they're at rather than go in and just like a bulldozer and just throw it at them. That's such amazing advice. And I love what you talk about the silence. Some people are very, very uncomfortable in silence. And also the tips on on what you can do to help steady you. So what are some other things? I just wanted to go over that a little bit more. Do you have any other tips for people? I know a lot of people get very, very nervous when they are faced with a difficult conversation that they're it's quite confronting. They don't like the confrontation. confrontation. They may yeah. not have an idea of what it is that can help settle them or put them in the right headspace. Do you have any other tips for that? I do, actually. Um, the first thing I always say to people, I mean, when people have to face a difficult conversation, fear is a very debilitating emotion. Um, but when you take away the fear, um, no mountain feels insurmountable there's nothing that you feel you can't do which means we're more willing to take risks but there's always there's four things when you face a difficult conversation that normally is the reason behind it one one is fear which is perhaps fear of confrontation fear of pushback fear that it won't go well fear of messing it up fear of showing emotion that's also a really big one people are really scared to suddenly cry or, or get too angry, fear of judgment, um, then there are lack of skills. So people might not be able to articulate themselves, which causes anxiety and frustration. They struggle to get their words out. Um, and if it's, you know, if, even if it's a difficult conversation around redundancy, you know, they, they, are scared that they're going to handle it badly and then there are kind of limiting beliefs that oh this is going to be a waste of time because you know it didn't go well last time or um embarrassing that as a leader for example they might be at the top of their game but they don't know how to have these conversations and then the last one is always they don't have time so my tips about handling those difficult conversations try and first of all understand what are the out of those four things what is it which one of those is is stopping you from having the conversation or, or creating that anxiety in you because once you've identified which one it is you can then address it um so also don't be afraid to show vulnerability um because that is very impactful when you're in mediations, for example, one of the questions that people often ask me is, "I will say to me, I, I don't want to, I don't want to cry. I don't want to let them see that I'm how I am, you know, that I'm broken here or whatever." And I, I say, "Well, why not? If they really understand the impact of what's been going on on you." that actually could be a game changer. And, and I've done so many mediations where that actually has been the case. And people are scared because of perhaps power dynamics, you know, it might be their, their boss and them. But actually, it's so powerful 
And I'm not saying we should all walk around and just, you know, burst into tears at, at the first drop of a hat, but actually, you know, this is really affecting me. I'm taking it home with me. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting, you know, my work. And people then start and stop and think, you know, it's not just about you and I not agreeing on a, po- on a point. It's actually goes a lot deeper than that. And that is really, really important sometimes to help change. The other thing, um, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people um, avoid those conversations and put them off and put them off and put them off um, because it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, a self-protection, isn't it? Well, I don't have to deal with it now. But actually what happens is usually when you leave it longer, um, it gets worse. So I always say, well, it's short-term pain now for long-term gain. So if the sooner you deal with it, the easier, the better the consequences will be. And I must be honest, you know, even me with all my knowledge and skills, I I still hate, you know, a challenging conversation. But, you know, I have a... I have the the tools now to know, okay, I know, get on with it, deal with it. And afterwards you feel, you know, so much lighter and, and you know, better and, and happier, you know. So I always say don't don't put it off. Um, I, and another uh, really useful one is to calm yourself first. Go to your happy place. Now, Happy place could be so many different places for different people. Um, for me, I love walking my dogs and, you know, we've got beautiful parkland near where we live here. Um, listen to some uplifting music, dance around the bedroom, whatever it is. Listen to your favourite podcast. Um, whatever it happens to be to get you into a calm state because there's no just to, to approach a conversation from a place of calm is so much more powerful than going in and and ranting and raving um, and also think about the objective of a conversation that you want to have or the outcome you want to achieve because knowing the end game before you start keeps you focused and often people who have a difficult conversation they get drawn off track so if you know what you're going in there to do do I want an apology do I want understanding do I want clarity um that will help you stay on track. Um, this is a really big one. Being courageous sometimes means you have to hear things that you don't like to hear or that you don't want to hear. And that's hard. So I always say, listen, give that person, listen to them, give them the opportunity to be heard. Um, even if you hear things you don't want to hear yourself um, listening doesn't mean agreeing listening just means you are giving them the space to say what they need to say so those are probably you know the most crucial there are others but you know a good kind of starting point if you mm, like that's fantastic a lot of people too sometimes when they're having a moment across any field it doesn't just have to be in the workplace or in a a group setting it could even be with a friendship or a relationship a a loved one your children my children (laughs) (laughs) all children all children (laughs) all Um, children yeah that's it sometimes what we say is not received 
when we're giving people that space to hear what the other person is saying, they're listening, actively listening, not not being quiet while they're thinking of something else, but actually listening to them. What happens when the person who's voicing their opinion or talking about how they're feeling or whatever they're communicating doesn't make sense? It's almost like they're speaking a different language. When their communication isn't um, on the same page as that other person, that sometimes can be very, very challenging and difficult. And I say this from personal experience. I love my children and my son. I'm sure he speaks a different language. He talks about computers all the time. He loves computers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he's talking about. It is a different language. It is a a different language. It is a very (laughs) different language. So that's sort of the thing that I'm thinking about at at this point in time. But I know that I've had other challenging, very challenging and confronting conversations. But the person who I'm saying the thing to they have not at all understood or they've taken it another way because of their own self-worth, their own limiting beliefs, their own issues they're going on within themselves. How do we cross that bridge? Can we cross that bridge? We can try. Mm. So, you know, sometimes people are never going to get it and sometimes we just have to accept that. But equally... I always encourage people to ask questions. So, for example, if that other person hasn't understood for whatever reason, they're either really not listening because they're choosing not to listen. They don't want to hear your opinion. So I I would put it to them as, could you put yourself in my shoes for a minute? How, How do you think... Or, you know, ask them to look at it from your perspective, because everyone has their own perspective in any situation or argument or we are all we're all character visiting characters in each other's stories. And what I always say to people is, well, I understand this is going back to the point about listening. When someone feels heard and I was going to tell you this little um, little thing that I do which is called the red amber and green and this is probably a good point to bring it in when when you're in a discussion with someone or um an argument with someone and you're you're just not making headway one of the reasons is because they haven't felt heard themselves they they haven't felt they haven't felt listened to So one of the most powerful things you can do to try and open up a proper two-way dialogue is to be smart and follow this, this little guide. So when you start a really difficult conversation, let them talk first. Let them say what they need to say and let them offload and then hear them reframe what they've said and then say, I hear you, I understand you saying blah de blah de blah, whatever. I'd like to, don't use but, but is a really bad word. But means that you haven't actually heard anything. I hear what you're saying, I understand X, Y, Z. Um, Can I ask you to consider my perspective? So when you've had that initial dialogue, People, when they've felt heard, 
they are then going to be more willing. They're going to come down off, off their high horse. That's when you're in amber. So you've had red, which is always stop, don't push first until you've let them listen. No point in starting a conversation like that. That's when you're in red. Amber is when they've you've given them the opportunity to say, I've heard you, I understand what you're saying. Now, you know, could we come down off your high horse? Well, you don't say that, obviously. Um, and they'll then being more inclined to listen to you avoid but and then when when we get to green red yellow red amber green green is right you're good to go you've both been heard you've got that inner quiet because in any heated discussion there's always this urgency to get their point across you want to get your point across you want you know i don't know if you do this a lot of people do this in an argument people think that by talking louder and louder that it's actually going to get the message in, you know, to, to you're going to get the message. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's the exact opposite. The quieter and calmer you are, actually, that's when your message will resonate more. So um, that's one little way to, to try and get the other person to listen to you. But in terms of just not getting the message, there are going to be times when people just don't get you. So that's when I would go back to the other thing I suggested, which is asking people to stand in your shoes and can you understand how I might think that or why I might have come to that conclusion or um, what what's, what do you think that I might be thinking now? You know, throw it back to them. Questions are really good to get people to start thinking of plants and little seeds and then they start thinking differently about a situation. Fantastic mm. advice. I love absolutely everything you have just said so incredibly valuable for having courageous conversations nicole tell me what does it mean to you to live your best and bravest life oh um i think being true to yourself being authentic um not being afraid to be who you are um and just knowing that if you follow your heart and what's important to you, then no matter what life throws at you, you you can be brave and you can you can handle it. And you know, I just one quick example is after um, years and years of of working from home, bringing up my children and my writing business. When I decided to do what I do now, I'd been out of the corporate world for kind of. 25, 30, about 25 years at that point, I didn't know anything about anything. You know, I didn't know what a grievance was, what a disciplinary procedure was. I mean, I, I kind of just had to teach myself and learn and throw myself in it. And I remember, you know, when I look back now to what I did then, and I think, God, that was so brave of me. You know, I, I, you know, I, dealing with sort of big corporates now and the kind of people I, I deal with. And, and that was because I followed my heart, because I did something that was important to me and that I believed in. So um, that to me is about living your bravest and best life. Totally. 100% I agree with you. It's so important to live your truth. You have given us so many tips so many wonderful wise words 
Is there anything else that you wanted to share in terms of tips on living a brave life? I think um, courage is, is an amazing thing. Courage makes things happen. Courage opens doors. Courage gives you opportunity. Um, courage makes exciting things happen. Um, and if you can just embrace the suck and if you can understand that, you know, it's going to feel whatever it is you choose to do in your life, you know, if you can power through that discomfort and um, whatever you feel is holding you back, there is something amazing on the other side of it, something that can be a game changer. Nicole, it's been such a delight to have you on the When We Are Brave oh. podcast. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've loved it. How amazing is Nicole? So many incredible words of wisdom in today's episode. I loved this episode. How often do we have to come to terms with the fact that we need to have difficult conversations we all do at some point in our life and we often are terrified at the thought of having to face something so challenging and it's when we can move through our fear and we can release it let it go and use some of the incredible tips and tools that Nicole has given us today to really connect with our truth listen to others and have these courageous conversations if you would like to get in touch with nicole you can do so via her website np-mediation.london you can also find her on linkedin i will have all of her details for connection in the show notes today and she does work with companies and individuals all across the globe. If this is something that you are needing help with, Nicole is a beautiful, brave heart, and she will help you, my friends. So how amazing has this week been? We're coming in to the pointy end of 2020, and what a roller coaster we have all had. I certainly hope that the When We Are Brave podcast has helped you to feel brave in different aspects of your life, where you feel connected to your truth, where you feel empowered to be your authentic self. If you would like to connect with me, please do so. Info at whenweabrave.com. And don't forget to go onto my website for today's show notes and all of the other goodies that are on there, including the new journal. How exciting! Go to whenweabrave.com. You can find me on social media. All of the posts and links will be on all of my channels Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So, my friends, until next time, be brave and live your best and bravest life.